Hey, greetings, you pop culture junkies, and welcome to Raw Rant, where honesty is the game and truth is the destination. We're here hanging out with some of your favorite sweaty nerds to hopefully stimulate your brains and recharge your geeky souls. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shane, and with me, as always, rocking the boards is my brother, Brian. And joining us tonight on Raw Rant is a man who has been in show business for more than 30 years. He's an incredible actor who just gave us a look at a Vulcan I think we can all agree none of us realized was out there. His daily workouts make me tired just watching them. The amazing Kirk Acevedo. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you, Kirk. Also joining us directly from the Burnett Work, which offers only the highest IQ pop culture mental libations, the one and only Robert Meyer Burnett. Greetings. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. And last but not least, if your diet is low in sodium and you need some of your uh, need someone as your wingman in, at a Las Vegas convention, Matt from the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am very honored to uh, be here with a man who was a big part of one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Twelve Monkeys. Kurt, thank you for being here. Thank yeah, you. I think we're going to hear a bunch of that. And Dave Cullen may drop in if he's not asleep. And uh, there he is right now. Oh, there he is. Every time I say somebody's not going to show up, you like pop them in. It's like you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yes, I was actually waiting for you to say that. Great. And so we have the Dave Cullen who has inspired us all every day with his Star Trek information. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. Now, quickly, before we jump into the panel with our amazing guests, I want to thank Extra Wallets for sponsoring today's show. Uh, there may not be any need for a wallet in the future of Star Trek, but it's a necessity for us in our daily lives. And oh boy, did we find the last wallet you'll ever need to own. We've discovered the most efficient smart wallet in the world, and it's made by Exter. They have revolutionized the wallet. We're never going to go back to bifold, guys. Super slim, sleek, and futurist, futuristic. Exter wallets can fit in your front pocket and still hold up to 12 cards. This high-quality wallet combines Italian leather, space-grade aluminum, and carbon fiber with built-in RFID blocking to protect you from wireless theft. And if you're like Brian and you lose your wallet all the time, it actually comes with a tracker, so you can never lose your wallet again. Check out Extra right in there. Now, after this video, the link is in the description below. Go to extra.com slash the popcast. Get 25% off your order when you use code the popcast. All right. Now that business is taken care of, Kirk, thank you so much for being on the show today. I think I can speak for all of us here on the panel when I say uh, we're huge fans of your work. Uh, you got your start in Hollywood in the mid-90s, uh, landed the role of Private Tella in the Thin Red Line in 1998. At this time, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager were on the air. Then in wow. 2001, Joe Toy and the Band of Brothers takes the world by storm. Um, Alvarez, you were you played Miguel Alvarez in Oz, Charlie Francis in Fringe, Jose Ramsey in Twelve Monkeys, Ricardo Diaz in Arrow, and now here in 2023, you find yourself playing the first Vulcan crime boss in the history of Star Trek for Picard season three. The question I have for you, Kirk, is: Did you ever think you'd find yourself in Star Trek? No, to be honest with you, <clears throat> um, I knew Terry. Terry was uh, show running a different show. I think I want to say MacGyver after 12 Monkeys. And they needed uh, Picard. And uh, I got a call and he, from Terry or a text. And he's like, hey, would you ever be interested in doing uh, a Star Trek? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, I was like, what would I play? Because I have a thing about 
prosthetics on my face is just claustrophobic. And he's like, I'm thinking a Vulcan. I'm thinking, oh, just ears. Perfect. Yeah. Ears and eyebrows. Easy. I was like, yes. He's like, what about a Ferengi? I was like, no. So then he said, he's like, well, listen, it's not like your typical Vulcan. Think like special forces, like assassin Vulcan, like just as edgy as you, you want to go. And uh, it was great. And that's that's how it came about. So, with, Amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Kareem know, is, our, is, is our Vulcan. And so the funny thing is, so when we had to go through hair and makeup and all that stuff. And you're going through the process. So I knew I was getting a scar. He's like, what about a scar? I was like, love it. Tattoos. Like, we're like, we're on the same page, me and Terry. Like, So he's like, I go to hair and makeup. And they're showing me these wigs and I'm like, I'm in my head. I'm like, Oh, I got to talk to Terry because I'm not wearing these wigs. Cause it looks, could you curse on here? Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. It was silly as fuck wearing that wig, man. It's like from <laughs> 1970. I can't wear this wig. It's like, you know, counterintuitive to like everything we talked about. And so he's like, they were like, you want to try it on? I'm like, no, no, no. I don't think I'm wearing a wig. I'm, I'm going to talk to Terry. But the problem is, Terry's like, you told him no to the wigs. I'm like, Terry, like I'm the new guy on the, on the show. And I'm like, not even like a regular. I can't be like, no, because I'll look like an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, this fucking guy actor came on saying no to everything. He's like, <laughs> you're not wearing those wigs. I was like, yes, but you should have told him. He's like, just don't worry. Just tell him. So thank God he squared it away and got rid of the wigs. <laughs> Was it awesome. like the wig with the with the? Yes, uh-huh. it was like literally. It literally was like um, uh, uh, the Beatles hairdo. Like that's <laughs> oh what it was like God. jet black, like the voluminous hair. I was like, I can't wear this, man. Like, it's, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad that that didn't happen because that would have looked weird. You know, he's like, "What do you want your hair to be?" I was like, "Let's do it like those high and tight. Let's do it high and tight." Yeah. Like, let's make it like, cause that's something you don't normally see. You usually have hair and they have like, um, sideburns and stuff like that. Let's make them completely different, you know? And so the only thing I wish I could have done a little bit better was the accent. It was so cold outside. Mm. So I couldn't move my lips as well. So the problem mm. is I couldn't enunciate as well. So I, I would have actually worked- snowing. No, it was just freezing in LA. It was a it was night, it was a night shoot. So it was like 35, it was like 40 degrees out. I got to um, say, though, your, the, the voice that you went with, you know, I think yeah. Vulcans are a lot harder to play than most people realize. And I think right. throughout Star Trek history, not a lot of actors have been able, especially actors that come on for an episode or two, have been able to nail it. Your performance was one of my favorite Vulcan performances in all of Star Trek. The way you moved, oh, cool. the way you spoke, and yeah. I mean, you exuded danger. And your speech, you said, "What do you say?" Ergo, you know, the the, <laughs> the line. It was so yeah. because you're you're thinking to yourself, "Why would there be a Vulcan crime boss?" And then you you you. I mean, I know it's the dialogue you were given to say, but you yeah. know, you said that you're bringing logic. You, you know, u- utopia needs crime or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it's so. Gonna ba- it's gonna balance, right? It was right. so I want a Kryn action figure 
presiding over this place Rob, <laughs> as Rob, a reminder. The, the, the line was, there can be no utopian, you, there can be no utopia without crime. Ergo, an organized criminal enterprise is logical. It's logical. Okay, yeah. that, that I, I haven't yet to memorize that, but that's one of my favorite lines in all of Star Trek history. And that was the you, hardest sir, thing to fucking say. Wow, did you <laughs> fucking nail that shit. Was Crin a uh, so was was Crin kind of already fleshed out for you? I know you got to bring some of the style to it. Did you get to? I mean, the crime boss thing was that Terry? Was that you? Was it a combination? No, no. So before, I, I'm assuming before he even wrote it, like he had the idea what Crin wanted to be, but then like you know, I forgot we even had the conversation, and then like two months later, he's like, okay, so you're ready? You're gonna get the script. So it like it wasn't even on paper, I assume yet. You, you know what I mean? Probably was storyboarded, but it wasn't on paper or fleshed out. And you know, I, I'm I'm sure this is was Terry's idea from the get go. So absolutely, like it was. Uh, but but he knows what I like also. So you know, you, you have the ability. You riff a lot when you're doing your stuff. So like, like I live there any riffing time, here? Yeah. I, I did. I added the families. There was, I think, one or two, and I kept on adding family, like you know, all this stuff. And, <laughs> and but 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 there wasn't that much, to be honest with you. And I love at living. And Terry could say yes, he does. <laughs> but uh, I didn't need to. It was it was actually very well written. So there, that's the, really the key, though. If it's written perfectly, like I don't need to riff really, right. you know. So. That's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of writers in, in television, they don't want you to riff because they hold their, their, their words like pearls, right? So, but, but the more confident the writer is, they let you play. That's a fact. So. So you must have been confident. That's good. <laughs> no, no, it just, it just was well written. It just yeah. was finding the right tone and rhythm to say the speech. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to do something completely different that then you know people assume that i would do right. you know and and so i wanted to change my voice up a little bit as opposed to make it a little bit softer you know mm. just and just maybe a little accent and stuff like that but the hardest part was i kept on saying terry i was like do vulcans they, they have no emotion he's like no 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 they do he's like but it's 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 hell but but you could let it out. I was like, okay, right. perfect. Cause that was the hardest thing. Cause for like the first week I'm like, Oh my God, this sounds terrible because I can't, you know, emote. have uh, I can't emote. I, I can't have subtext, right? Like, and I need subtext and you have to let it out here and there. And so he, the minute he said, Oh, absolutely. You could uh, let it out. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. They let me play, man. And, and that's, that's really the key. You know, some actors, they, you know, they need uh, validation, right? And that's understandable. Like, you know, you're insecure in a part or, or something, and they need to be saying, that's it. You're in the right place. Right. I know if I'm going in the right place just by tone. It's a different thing. I know if I'm hitting it, and I know when I'm not. You know, so to me is like, give me a long leash. Don't give me a short leash. Every actor is different, though. Right. Like some need to be guided. Some don't. And, and depending on the part, too. Sometimes in a part, I need to know, is this the right direction? So, yeah. 
Well, we got a super chat from Whiskey Jack saying he was the Vulcan we needed. <laughs> uh, thank you, Whiskey right. Jack. So did you so did you have to do any research, you know, ask any other people who played Vulcans, watch any episodes of Star Trek? You know, Todd Stashwick played a Vulcan on Enterprise like 20 something oh, years ago. Yeah, he did. Oh, so wow. no, I watched uh, uh Leonard Nimoy's uh I think I watched uh, the first two films that he did. You know, uh, Star Trek, the first one and the Wrath of the Khan. I just watched and it just didn't help because I just thought it was no offense, but it's a little dated. So it's a little dated. It's a little dated. How dare you, A blood vessel on Robert's head just popped. No, no, no. Listen, I'm just watching for for the last three days, I'm watching uh, uh, all the Twilight Zones. Oh yeah, and and they're dated. Yeah, they but are. They're yeah. still brilliant. Yes, it, it's not taking away the brilliance. Do you have it's a favorite good. episode of what you've watched of, of the Twilight which, Zone? Of Twi- there's so many, man. Oh yeah, there's, there's so, so many. So there's many. Hundreds. I just I just watched the William Shatner. I think that was in in season four or five. yeah Night- nightmare at twenty thousand feet or yeah yeah brilliant. And it, you know and richard, richard donard or yeah, donard directed, directed yeah. That, yeah yeah Freaking back brilliant. when you could have and guns on planes and stuff you know what's really interesting about the, smoke tw- too, right? the, tw- <laughs> the twilight zone i think is a master class in writing i think anybody who's interested in yeah. because in 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 25 minutes you have to uh, establish a premise establish a character and then take that character through basically a three-act structure Right, very and difficult to do. It very hard to do, and I don't think anyone. You know, there's been. I, I like the '85 re, uh, iteration of Twilight Zone. Some of it, but it was it was different. But they keep bringing it back. There was the movie in '83, yeah. and then the '85 yeah. series that ran three seasons. But I think anybody that wants to become a writer should watch. Don't go on Chat GPT. Watch the Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> and season four is actually all one hour. Yes, That's the only yeah. Which is which? You know, you have a lot more to play with. I mean, so. if if we didn't have Chat GTP, we'd have no Mandalorian season three. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> my, that's harsh. Shut my introduction fire. to Twilight Zone was uh was the book episode uh, time time enough to, time enough at last yeah at last that and I watched that when I was really young and I was like and I was a big reader because I was I wasn't allowed to watch TV oh, amounts right? yeah so can I was can watching I uh, a, can I make a recommendation along similar lines to um. Hitchcock, Twilight Zone, that kind of thing, which would be a, a fantastic series from 1960. Uh, there was a British version, and uh, in particular, the American version, which is called Thriller. Oh, it's Horace great. Karloff. It's a fantastic show. And actually, oh, we there is in two of those episodes. Yeah. Really good. Well, and, you also and, have The Outer Limits, too, which plays in the, the Outer same Limits, yeah, yeah. Some good episodes there. Some. Yeah. The, the yeah, it's hit miss. The, the most recent iteration was terrible uh, although amanda Plummer was in an episode of the new outer limits oh was she no no i'm talking about uh twilight oh it was oh the jordan peele version oh really really it was really bad and 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 he's pretty brilliant he's Mm. i mean his horror stuff is is great and and i think he needs longer he needs longer longer. to make things yeah and i don't think he wrote all these episodes that's another issue too you know he's writing his his uh, films, so. So Kirk, you worked with uh, showrunner Terry Metalis on Twelve Monkeys, of course, for four years, and Picard yes. season three is not lost on some wonderful monkey Easter eggs, including yourself. 
yeah. you know, were you did you were you aware that they were going to have so much uh, monkeys, you know, teasers in, no. in card? I had no idea. I had no idea until I read the 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 script, and then Terry was uh, keeping me updated about what's going on, and he's like, "Aaron is." your brother who dies. I was like, Oh, that's Aaron. He goes, yes, he was in the previous episode. So Terry filled me in uh, on all the, the Easter eggs. So awesome. I love it. It's great. I love no, it. Super so chat. Cool. No, super chat from Foxhound. The, the one and only uh, Joy Toya. Ergo. It is logical. Joe Toy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Joe Toy. Sorry. Yeah. Band of brothers is one of my personal favorite, but, um, uh, I got to tell you, so you and Aaron Stanford, you were just talking about uh, Aaron, of yeah. course, was in 12 Monkeys. He played uh, James Cole uh, and then uh, he was Sneed here in in uh, Picard season three. But you guys are crime brothers on Metallus four. So you're nod to family when you kept saying family over and over again. Um, right. So did you talk to Aaron at all family. before the role or did you guys get no. to shoot together? No, we, we, we didn't shoot it all together. I think he was an entirely different episode than I was. So. Mm. Uh, no, no, we didn't chat about it, and and I actually didn't know it was Aaron until we were shooting. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know who the Ferengi was. That's so. funny. Yeah. What do you could think? It, it of, could have uh, been you if you weren't claustrophobic. <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I, I knew ahead of time I couldn't do it. I, there's been other films in the past that I couldn't do. One had to be like all burned up from head to toe and i right. think i couldn't do that i just couldn't do it because when yeah. they when they have to make the mold for prosthetics i've seen it done and basically they have to put like a tube up your nose so you can yeah. breathe if the thing goes over your whole face yeah it, it's it, that yeah. would be extremely uncomfortable claustrophobic. I, I did that for fringe when they had to make a uh uh a prosthetic head for me all right and right. that 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 wasn't that it just was 30 minutes the issue is sitting in a chair with people around you and for four hours and then another hour taking it off and then having it on your face for a day or two or three that's what i couldn't do right i yeah. just couldn't i couldn't i couldn't do that you were but fantastic now, in fringe uh kirk oh i appreciate it thank you like I, when now, i first started watching that show it was recommended me and i was like I could. I was having a hard time with uh, some of the other characters, and then I saw Kirk stroll in, and what, I'm like, what, "Oh, wait a minute! Wait a hard, minute! What was the hard time with the other characters?" Uh, yeah, uh, the lead. I didn't like. I didn't like the way she emoted everything. She seemed very. And I'm. I'm no offense to this person. I'm sure she's great, but she. It seemed very whiny to me. It was very hard to get behind. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't see her as like, uh, uh, as the hero or whatever. And she always yeah. seemed like she didn't, wow. she didn't, it always felt like she didn't know what was going on, which, which she didn't, but, <laughs> but she didn't seem like she knew what, she, what was going on in the FBI, you know? Well, I mean, listen, <clears throat> I didn't know what was going on in the FBI and I was second in command. So but, <laughs> that's true. You know, a, a lot of the issues is, is, you know, sometimes they write you in a corner, right? And I think that's the issue there with, with, with fringe uh, we were shooting some episodes and we didn't even have a script. We don't have oh, like 17 wow. pages. So wow. in, in, in her defense, uh, we were filming blind a lot of the times. I'll even tell you something else. Uh, working with uh, Lance Reddick, uh, God bless Lance Reddick. Oh, God, uh, I love that guy. He, 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 he was shooting a couple of episodes of Lost. So 
they gave his lines to me to say. So you see what I'm saying? So yeah, like, right. Like yeah, that, that's fair. It's interchangeable. Like so, and, and that was that was frustrating. Uh, so in her defense, uh, and also we were sixteen hour days, man. Yeah, yeah. Freaking. I'm, I'm day sure she's great for nine months. Like it was, it was insane. Like it right. was. Well, that, a lot more to that show. But man. you and John Noble, for me, was like why yeah. I stuck it out and got to, to season to season two in the first place. He was great in that show. Well, John I have to was... ask you, um, you know, genre television lives and dies by by the scripts. And, you know, when you watch a show like like I Lost was was a good show, but clearly they didn't they had no idea where they were going. It was, yeah, you could right. tell they were making that show up. Whereas a show like 12 Monkeys if you watch 12 monkeys it's so as it unfolds all the way to the end it's so tightly scripted and yeah. for you working on that i mean terry and, and team christopher monfett and they just crushed those scripts and yeah. you really feel when you get to the end of that show that you were as a viewer completely fulfilled it was a very fulfilling yeah. meal for is that the same is that true for you as an actor as well when you work on a show like 12 monkeys and do you guys as an ensemble and all the actors, can you feel how tightly scripted it is? And is it better for you as an actor knowing that the people upstairs, they're driving the truck, that it's going in the right direction? Yeah, you, you know, from from the, the inception when I, I originally auditioned for Cole, for, for Aaron's part. And then uh, they came back like a month later or something like that. Hey, would you want to audition for a uh, Ramsey? And I said, no. And the reason why I said no, because on fringe, I auditioned for uh, Josh's part on fringe. So it's a, a terrible situation to be in when like you're for, for fringe, like I'm relegated to a desk and it's like what my wife said. It's like, you're a shark on a tricycle. That's what they have you on. You're on a tricycle. And they go, like, if we were to go to war right now, you wouldn't have me behind a desk answering phones. So you're not using my best assets. So Fringe was very bittersweet for me because they didn't use what I could do, right? So with with Terry, so with the Terry thing, I said no, and then they kept coming back, coming back. And finally, like, just talk to Terry. And Terry said it's a story about brothers and the future, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, because that's not, I, I didn't want to be the best friend. Mm. Like, and just like, you know, the hero goes to save the day. And as he's walking out the door, his best friend throws his keys. He goes, okay, go save <laughs> <Right>. the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that typically yes. yeah. happens, right? And I didn't want to play that because once again, I'd be a shark and a tricycle. And Terry, for his word, like he did, he let me, like he gave me full, full, uh, full, playing all over across the board well so. it made the show so much better because i mean honestly it could have gone down that way like it was almost initially set up that you can see ramsey is kind of like that support to cole's character but then it yeah. just it starts flowering the character starts building yeah. and it's through the work that you did and now you've got ramsey time traveling and i'm like oh my god yeah. please give me more of this <laughs> so yeah. yeah you guys you guys absolutely can and it's character driven see that's the best part mm -hmm. is because it's not a procedural it's a character-driven show, which is even better because you get to show your chops, right? And I think everybody 
uh, I mean, everyone on down just was great, you know, and, uh, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot her name. She played Dr. Oh my God. What's her name? She created a design travel machine. Come on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, Dr. Rayleigh. Yeah. I can't think of her real name though. I, I just, it's, anyway, early, uh, she's, she was brilliant. Like everybody was brilliant. Everyone did great work. I mean, the guest stars are great. And Madeline Stowe. That's it. No, no, no. Uh, our, our doctor, our scientist. Oh, in the future. Yes. Look it up. Madeline Stowe's in uh, the movie. Yeah. Oh, she's also I in ours. One. My bad. Sorry. Yeah, same she's character. She's also in ours as a as a, as a guest star, like two or three episodes. But uh, I can't think of her name. I got oh, it God. for you. She's from Germany. Amanda Joel. No, no. Barbara. Uh, it's uh, Barbara. Barbara Sakawa. Sakawa. Yes, ah. Yes. Yeah, she was great. It's she funny. Was, I I just like watched the entire finished just finished and I was I couldn't think of her name. I'm so bad with names. Yeah. She's great. I mean, the yeah, cool thing is that guy that played Deacon in that show. I don't even remember. <laughs> he's great. He's uh, great too. Yeah. That dude. Uh, uh, Todd something. Yeah. Can't, yeah, can't pronounce his last name. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, they just, you know, they own their parts, you know, and it's a completely different show than than the film. So, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, they uh, they did they did very well. Yeah. So, um, what was it like being on set with Michael Dorn? So you get to be on set with Worf. Worf actually, I guess, uh, almost kills you. And, yeah. Uh, so, what was it? Are you a fan of TNG? Did was it like? Did it mean anything you for you to be on set with Worf? What do you think? So, so I've watched all the old Star Treks. And uh, the old films and stuff like that, and I've seen a few of like the 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 Picards and stuff like that. So yes, I knew exactly who he was. He's the sweetest man. Mm. He's so sweet. I mean, so kind, endearing, and so was uh, uh, his partner mm-hmm. Michelle. Yeah, she's she's great. They they welcome you with open arms. They're, they're the, I mean, that's how when you go to a new show, that's how you want to be welcomed. Where your regulars ingratiate themselves to you because that makes you comfortable and it makes you want to perform. You know, there's nothing worse going on a show and the leads are assholes because <laughs> you're like, I'm here to do good work for you, for your show. You know what I mean? But they're yeah. the sweetest, sweetest people. Did you know the drug that you guys were peddling was called Splinter? Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know that. That's so great. Wow. Terry, Terry has 12 monkeys all over this. He's a yeah, wild he man. Even even the even some of the uh, the characters like the aliases that Jack was going through, Picard's son in the show. Oh yeah, one of yeah. them was uh, was was Cole was one of the aliases. Oh, yeah. So he's yeah he's all over it. Listen, I want the I, instead of doing like the Punisher, mm. I want them to do Crin and just Ooh. as an antihero, oh, just yeah. a standalone TV. I'm sorry, like let's go there. Like yeah. it's yeah. Star Trek is ready to go. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. Full edgy, full edgy. Make oh, it yeah. at 10 p.m. at night. Yes. And, and let yes. me just go buck wild on motherfuckers. <laughs> like, I will go buck wild. I don't know if it's up to Terry, probably up to the Star Trek people, but I'm sorry. There's there's a place for it, and there's eyeballs that would love to see 
that type of Star Trek. They've never done a, a Star Trek underworld type of a show, and it would be really oh. interesting. I mean, you could do a Godfather 2 kind of story about the rise of Kryn and, and, uh, uh, and, and Sneed, you know, as young kids on Metallus and how you guys and, and do a whole legacy thing and, and add. I, I mean, I think that would be, if nothing else, it would be a really interesting movie. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where, and you see you guys, and it's all about, and you could do it and have a flashback structure where the two of you yeah. are building this criminal empire, and we flash yeah. back on how you got there. I have to ask you, though, and I, yeah. I've been holding, you were in the Thin Red Line. Yeah. And you worked for director Ter- Terrence Malick. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I've got to ask, I'd be remiss. I mean, Ter- Terrence Malick, for those of you who don't know, in the seventies, he directed two. He directed Days of Heaven, Days of Heaven, and Badlands, and he right. he w- was revered. And then he basically disappeared for decades. And then the Thin Red Line was his big comeback movie. And you know, people have talked about how he changed it completely in editing, and people's characters were. Co- but regardless, oh, I know that story. Yeah. What, what was it like to work for Terrence Malick? Man, that was that was a bucket list, to be honest with you, because uh, I would probably put in my top, my personal top 100 films, I would probably put Days of Heaven and Badlands in there. Yeah, uh, for sure. In the top 100. I mean, just the things he uh, he did with the camera, with the crickets, and oh. reversed it. You know, they and it's just great stuff, and and the performances in, in both films and. And then for me, I'll tell you how I got that job on Thin Red Line. I was doing a play with uh, Sam Shepard, who was basically my mentor, my idol. God bless him. I wouldn't have a career without that man. I was doing a play, uh, Tooth of Crime, with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. And Sam uh, had video of the play. And without my knowledge, without telling me, he sent it to Terrence Malick. And he's like, you got to hire this kid, man. You yeah, and you work with him twice. Who? A uh, Terrence Malick, because you were I in the... there twice. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. I did. And uh, I mean, I, I, I love both of those movies. I mean, that and you worked on the New World as well. And and yeah. I love New World. They, they cut out. Yeah. What I did, which was that was cool shit. If they, I don't know, maybe it's a director's cut somewhere. But, but with the, the the Terrence Malick thing, he. Uh, you know, it's just it's a great opportunity. I mean, he sounds, and it is not a derogatory thing. He sounds like Kermit the Frog, uh, <laughs> like when he's talking to you, and he's like this, uh, Kirk. You're going into the abyss, and uh, Sean is reaching out to you, and the darkness is foreboding, and it's overwhelming you, and you're riding out on this little. That's his notes before a fucking scene, but I got it. I got it. Like, I'm like, yes, I love this shit. I'm an artist. I love this shit. And he's brilliant. And some crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, John Tall said DP. I mean, just. I mean, one of the one of the great directors of photography of all time. There's a shot. My first shot of of the. I'm just there. No one knows who I am. I'm just there. First shot, first day. There's 2,000 fucking extras. There's Sean Penn, Nick Nolte, like, the who's who? There are you guys. Right. Little figure, the camera's facing this way. 
and they're all behind the camera and there's this little figure and I'm, I'm running maybe two football fields to them. And you hear it like this thing, where the fuck you guys been? You're supposed to be on the other side of the <laughs> fucking river. You motherfuckers. And I, I'm like, like the whole way, a wonder, the mountains, this little figure sweating, coming up and he, the words get louder and louder and louder. And then I realize it's a captain I'm talking to and I'm just a little private, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. And Chantal goes, fucking Warner. And it, it, it was never, but it was never in, in, in the film. The first oh. cut was over four hours long. Yeah. Yeah, that was one hell of a movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard to get, to get the, the money to do that film, I heard that the script that was shown to the studio was not the script that he shot. shot oh, right. Script meaning it was in there. He just cut this out. Cut this out. It was always about Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel was always the lead. He's mm. Jesus Christ. Right. He's the Messiah. Right. That's exactly what it is. I mean, Terrence Malick is a devout Baptist, mm. and uh, which is which is crazy. The juxtaposition of him being, you know, uh, taught philosophy at MIT. I mean, you know, he's Mensa and won the Mensa Award for like, but he's a devout, you know, philosophy and religion. You know, they 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 come at odds at times, right? So true. We got a super chat from Ian Carroll's. Uh, I'm sorry, wrong one. Let me go with the grid first. Picard season three has 43 times the demand of the average TV show. Well done, Kirk and company. Yeah. It's seeing some huge success right now. There's a lot of movement and push. Uh, Picard season three is super popular, partly because of, you know, things like adding Kryn, you know, and uh, and having these wonderful characters. Right. Matt, I know you had some questions, too, you wanted to ask. Go ahead and jump in. Yeah. Uh, before my question, though, I just want to say that I am shocked, shocked to hear that Fringe, produced by Alex Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman, didn't have completed scripts and was making it up. <laughs> I just know no, my mind. Akiva, Akiva didn't come on until the second season. So Akiva, Akiva wasn't in the first season. So that was J.J. Abrams thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's so a mystery I, box, but they just don't box. know where the box is. Right, right. I wanted to ask you, so, so Krin is missing part of his ear. So I was wondering yeah. if you could tell us how he lost it. Oh, What's he, your got shot off some, he got <laughs> shot off somewhere, or he got cut off in a fight, you know. But listen... Let's 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 uh, let's bring him back in a in a in a, in a heavier heavier role and and we could explain all of those things. But know? my head cannon was people watching, so this is good. Paramount folks, listen, you heard it from the man himself. He wants to come back. Let's make it happen. My head cannon, oh, yeah. uh, Kirk, is that you yeah. got in a fight with a Klingon crime lord and his targ attacked you and ripped off your ear. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or, 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 you know, maybe I had a, a half, a half Vulcan brother too, and I killed mm -hmm. him. I mean, just let's just go edgy. Just, just go yeah. as edgy as you can. So, Kirk, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you are with like Deep Space Nine or whatever, but I know, and maybe Robert can chime in on this. Nana Visitor hated makeup as well. She felt like it was very claustrophobic. And there was an episode yeah. where she had to play a Cardassian, which had like, like just a ton of makeup. And they were doing did like say, a super. Did you say a Cardassian? 
that requires a lot of makeup, Kirk. <laughs> but that was uh, she was doing a lot more than just makeup. Yeah, <laughs> she was doing like a 16 hour shoot day, and by the end of it, she was literally just ripping the prosthetics off because she was like, I can't be in this anymore. Robert, do you remember that story? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the that's the true story, and um, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that have not dug. I used to work in a makeup effects. I, I worked for Tony oh, Gardner. Yeah, I worked at a company called Altarian Studios early early in my career. And there were people that, especially when you talked about full uh, doing doing the head sculpts or you know getting your whole face encased, there were there were people that just couldn't do that. Oh, and um, it, it it is especially because it you know it gets hot on your skin and it 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 is moving around it it becomes very constrictive and i totally understand that and nana visitor yeah that story from what i understand that's absolutely a true story and um and that makeup is unforgiving too so what's the 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 robin williams uh the robot film what was that bicentennial man so my wife was the the female robot in that Hmm. oh that's rad And, and, and so she tells a story that you know they usually do it in parts when they, you know, this makeup or special effects team did it all in one and she passed out. Oh my God. And like, like literally like, she, like it was compressing on her chest and, and everything. And so, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's extremely claustrophobic. And, and you have like to that. be careful because your skin, people don't really realize, but your skin needs to be able to breathe as well. And yeah. if you're constricted that way, like, you know, in Goldfinger, the reason that mm. the girl painted gold dies is because she's completely covered in gold and her, you know, you can't, your skin can't sweat and it's, it's not good. So that you have to be a, very careful. That happened in a marathon in New York city marathon. Somebody put icy hot, they put icy hot all over their body. And what happens is the heat is that she just a cardiac arrest because it just covered all her pores. Yeah. It clogged. Uh-huh. So she couldn't perspire. So yep. she died. It's crazy. Oh, so it's kind of like the same of, thing you're talking about. Speaking of dying, since I have you here, Kirk, uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I was a big fan of this very short-lived TV show called The Black Donnellys, uh, oh, yeah. which was produced by Paul Haggis, and I know that you yeah. were involved in that. Can you tell me, like, what was it like working on on that series? Because it it was a diamond in the rough. I don't think it got enough time to actually like kind of spread its wings. It, it, it should have been a cable show. It's a cable show. It's cable tone. It should have been like, like something on Oz, HBO. Like you know, it's it's that sort of tone. And I just think NBC just wasn't doing that type of show in ninety what was two thousand five, two thousand six, or whenever it was. Uh, it, it should have been edgier. Like it, it should have been, but but it's not that it wasn't written edgy. It was. Um, Bobby Moresco and Paul Haggis is an amazing pilot. It, it just was the wrong network. It, you know, it needed to be on cable. But I love all the guys. Uh, uh, Jonathan was great. Worked with him again on Kingdom, and so uh, he actually got me that part on, on Kingdom. He knew I was a big boxing fan, so uh, Jonathan Tucker. So. Um, yeah, I have fond memories of of that that gig. So, yeah, good people, all the guys. 
So, uh, Kirk, Band of Brothers. So was Thin Red Line, like, did that help you get to Band of Brothers? How did that story happen? Because that's my favorite my favorite series you've been in. Uh, so I was doing Oz at the time. I think I'm a, we're in the fourth season or fifth season, fourth season. And uh, so I'm filming something in, in, in Toronto, and I get a call, and it's like, you have to fly out to L.A. right now. I was like, I'm not flying out anywhere. And she's like, you have to. There's this thing called Band of Brothers. I have no idea what it was. I'm like, right. I, 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 yeah, okay. And she's like, you're flying out here now. We bought you your ticket. And I was like, all right, flew out. And then I realized the people that were attached, I was like, should have said Steven Spielberg. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Tom Hanks and stuff like that. So I go down there and it's literally who's who. Mm. It's it's like every single person. I mean, I think something like 2,000 people auditioned for like the 13 American parts that wow. were in it. And, and I remember the first person I meet that day was Donnie Wahlberg and we were like that ever since. So, and, and Frank John Hughes, there's the three of us, right? I remember that too. And I think Frank was the first person cast. I was the second person cast. Uh, and then I had to get out of, of Oz and I told Tom Fontana, I was like, Tom, it's Steven Spielberg. It's Tom Hanks. It's, you know, the greatest war miniseries. He's like, well, do you, well, do you want off the show? I was like, no, I don't want off the show. Do you want to escape and come back? I was like, yes. It worked out way better than I could ever imagine. And so, and then it, that's how it 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 came about. And you know, and uh, the, I mean, the, the, there should be a behind the scenes of the audition process. I mean, you're in a room, right? And there's like 200 kids there, and it's a it's a it's a Saturday, and. I read with Tom Hanks and that was the first audition and I'm doing the scene and he's like, I'm, we do like three lines and he's like, all right, all right, you can act. He's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, see you tomorrow. What, what do you mean? See you tomorrow. He just leaves. I was like, what do you mean? See you tomorrow. You got to come back tomorrow. I was like, yeah, it's like, there's more people. And so there's like 200 people there, like Ricky Schroeder, like everybody, like, oh my like God. just everybody. Just everybody. And, uh, they were mixing and matching people. You go in groups of six, 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 six. There was like six, like 15 groups of six people. And they would, you know, are you read this part? I read Garnier and read this part, read this part. And they bring me in a room and I'm reading, I forgot who I was reading for, some other guy. And they had this one kid, I had, he wasn't in, he didn't get the part. And he just started fucking ad-libbing. And ad-libbing is great, but what makes a good ad-libber is like this. And if I'm like, hey, blah, 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 what's your name? What'd you do yesterday? What about you? You got to include people. Mm. It can't just be about you and, you know, you're, you're flashing your dick around, like, look at me. It, it just doesn't work. And that's what this kid was doing. And I was trying to say something. And he's like, hey, you big nose, shut up. <laughs> And I go, what'd you say to me? And I go, he goes, I big nose. I go, if I walk over there and I punch you dead in your fucking face, I'll punch you dead in your fucking face. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Tom Hanks, he went, whoa! I was like, I'm just, I'm just playing. And I was, that serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? The difference yeah. is, I want to do that to you, mm. you little piece of shit. 
So I played it to my advantage. And I think that's what got me the job, that moment right there. But literally, mm. fucking Steven Spielberg is with a fucking camcorder, like this this big, you know, yeah. it was in, you know, 99. And he's filming, dude, he's like, it's the craziest shit. Yeah, what it's was that experience crazy. like talking to him and just interacting? What was it like, the greatest he's, director of all time? He's, he's, he's the sweetest man, first of all. Humble man. When you talk to him, you forget he's that because there's no airs about him, right? Like there's there's nothing. I'll tell you a, a, a quick story. So we finished Band of Brothers, and my wife wrote this script that his uh, someone from his his team saw or read, and and just wondering if it ever got to his to his desk. Did he ever get a chance to read it? So he was by the, the, the Writers Guild in LA and I was at the farmer's market and I just saw him there. I rushed back all the way to Beachwood Drive, drove right back with the script and I get there, broke like every red light and he's walking out of the Writers Guild as I get there. And I was like, Mr. Spielberg. And he jumped back because like, you know, he, I'm wearing a hat and sunglasses and I didn't realize it. I pulled my hat off in the glasses. He's like, Joe Toy. I was like, yes, sir. How are you? He's like, I saw your 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 pilot for uh, Black Donnelly's best pilot I saw all year. I was like, oh, thank you. And he's like, started talking about the Pacific. And he's like, uh, I was like, I don't know if you read this script. And blah, blah, blah. he's like, what's it called? He said, uh, Space Monkey. He's like, no, I would have remembered that title. He's like, I can't take it from you. And he was so, like, he felt so bad. He's like, it's just, uh, 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 Lawyer reasons and stuff. Yeah, like well, that. legally he could, he literally legal, couldn't. Legal, legal reasons. Yeah, unless you would legal sign reasons. some kind of a release, or it came through a agency or a manager. Hey, uh, do you have a uh, uh, like a, a short or a reel of it? Uh, I could take that from you. Just the kindest man. Like just so nice guy. Like he didn't have to do that. And so, he doesn't even know he's a superstar, does he? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he does, and I'm sure in a way. He tries to humble himself even mm. more because of that. He, he, he's as good as it gets. He's a good man. Since you you brought up when we were talking before we <clears throat> we went live about Oz, Oz yeah. I think is one of obviously I think it Oz was a very pivotal point in the history of HBO and their TV shows. I mean they'd gone from things like Dream On, but Oz with the level of everything from the nudity and the violence to the very adult subject matter was really yeah. a groundbreaking watershed television show and again the actors the, the the ensemble of actors in that show was second to none yeah. and um you know i'm just curious about that experience and when you got involved did you have any idea of of like how intense that that show actually would get and and where everything was going i mean it literally was a yeah. descent into hell in the be- best way <laughs> um you know uh, we had no idea first of all when I got the audition, my representation at the time said, so the part already was written for someone. And I'm like, what the fuck am I auditioning for? I mean, you think I have, I have a mouth on me now. You should imagine my mouth 30 years ago. I was like, what the fuck you sent me in for this shit? So anyway, so I'm like, really? He's like, yes, but just just go in. They had to talk me, talk me in. So I go there and I'm thinking it's just going to be me, right? Like they, 
And so, uh, and, and the reason why I got that audition was the casting director, Alexa Fogel, saw a, a Tooth of Crime, the Shepherd play, and brought me in for that. And, but there was like nine other guys reading my part. And I was like the ninth one and everyone's going in and they're fucking screaming. Everyone's second one's going in and he's fucking screaming. Third one's going in and he's fucking screaming. And I'm like reading it. And I was like, well, that's what I was going to do. So now I can't do that. So I'm trying, I'm reconfiguring the performance literally in the chair. And I'm like, I'm just not going to yell at all. Mm. I, and I'm just going to just, do something completely different and Tom's in the room and everything like that. And, and that guy didn't get it. And then I got the part and, and, uh, so no, we didn't really know what it was at that time. I think Arliss was the only half hour show at the time on any cable network. Right. And we were the first one hour cable show ever, ever. Cause Soprano six in the city Six Feet Under all came after us. Yeah. And uh, the best job I've ever had, hands down. I mean, initially, you know, obviously, you know, we weren't making, you're not making network money and stuff like that. But you're I mean, we're shooting on 16 millimeter. You're creating art. You're literally creating art. And uh, that changed network television. I mean, the, the stuff, the graphic wise, what we did back then, I mean, literally pales. I mean, I don't think Game of Thrones stuff stands up to what we did in Oz. I mean, I'm eating feces. Yeah, no. People it, being crucified on the floor. I mean, it was people hardcore. defecating in people's mouths. I yeah. mean, it's just like, you can't, you can't write that, but you did. It's <laughs> thanks to Tom Fontana, who's literally, he's amazing. Amazing, mm. amazing man. Love that man. Just if anyone gets the opportunity to work with that guy, you run. You don't say, ah, oh, let me think about it. You run. Well, I mean, you so, know, people like Rita Moreno, you know, right? And and Betty and, Buckley, Rita Moreno, BD Wong, like I mean just, just JK everybody. Simmons. Terry Kinney, one of the founding members of Steppenwolf. Mm. I mean, uh I mean there's so many more we're leaving out, you know. No, it was a I mean, I'm curious from an acting point of view, I mean, it was really the ensemble they is one of the best ensembles that's ever been put together on any television show in the history of the medium. Yeah. And yet yeah. I mean, when you were what was it like for you as an actor because there's probably a lot of different techniques being employed by the various actors and yeah. Was it what was it like for you? Was the ensemble fun to work with? Did you guys have a great time? And or do, was it was it hard because of the subject matter? No, it's the best job. Every actor will say the same thing. It literally was a family. And I know shows say that, but they lie. They lie because <laughs> because they're just being PC. We're, I, I mean, I, I, me and Tom DM constantly over. Instagram, you know, he sends me these crazy chips. You know what I mean? It's like they're one of the most prolific right television writers ever. Sending me these wild chips, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, we hung out. We work on set for twelve hours. We we shot seven to seven every day. It's never heard of on television. Never heard of. Ten pages, seven to seven a day. Seven to seven p.m. Seven a.m. Seven, seven p.m. a day, and we're wrapped. We only shot uh, in seven years. Uh, twice did overtime twice wow. and I was in both of those so that's the reason why I know that 
after that, we'd eat together and then we'd go out and drink together. And we did it every day for six, seven years. Wow. So, you know, for me, that was my first job, like on television. So I was very green. So my world at that time was theater. And I understood that world very well. Uh, like I could stay, you know, uh, with any, you put anyone in front of me and I felt very comfortable. You know, it didn't matter how long they've been doing it. I was trained in theater, but TV was different, right? So the, the camera angles and, you know, the camera lenses and the sizing and stuff like that, I kind of had to learn on the job. You know, part of me wishes I could go back and redo that performance, it would be demonstratively better. Demonstratively better. I would have created something just just better. Right. I was so green back then. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of watching and listening, as what all young actors should do. But uh, I also could have created a lot more also. So, but But having said that, the best experience, best job, best friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. Kirk, you've done so many things. I mean, just going through your IMDb is incredible, but you were talking about it a minute ago. So, so seven people went ahead of you and they were yelling and you're like, oh, I can't yeah. do it that way. How much of getting these wonderful roles comes from kind of knowing when you're in the room and how to change up how your audition's going to go. And do you, are you really flexible with that when you do things? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And no. So when you got to go in live, meaning like when you have a test or you're going to meet the producers, obviously because of COVID uh, post COVID, those, those things changed. Right. So there's, you know, auditions are now, you know, you're recording your own auditions, you're meeting producers over like this, Right. So, but when you go in live, it's a different energy. And then you see, it, it's so funny because it's really, they set you up to fail because they put you in a room with all the actors you're competing with. <laughs> and it's like, I love that in a sadistic way. I love, cause I, I, I'm an athlete, you know, like I, I love that. To that compete. energy you get from mm -hmm. competition, you use it. You know what I mean? It's titillating. You know, so I love that they're seeing these other guys and that you're comparing and contrasting, you know, and sometimes you have to switch it up, you know, as opposed to now, it is what it is. What you worked on is what you're going to show them because you're not doing it live. You're not doing it in a room in front of producers. So, uh, but those early jobs that I got early on were, were from switching it up and, and and also having people uh that rooted for you rooted mm -hmm. for you to win you know we're in a business where so many people root against you because hey for a myriad of different reasons it's subjective talent is subjective right acting is subjective he i like him i like him you like him because he looks like your ex. You hate him because he looks like your ex. You know, there's so many <laughs> arbitrary reasons why people get jobs and don't get jobs, right? Mm. But what I mean by people, you need people to root for you because there, there's so few opportunities mm. now. You, you know what I mean? Now, since, the, the, since COVID hit, you know, TV is where it's at. 
there used to be films, right? Like all the big right. movie stars doing films. How many TV shows, how many miniseries has Nicole Kidman? Like, like she's done like eight since the pandemic hit. She's done like eight series. Right, right. But like all, so all those actors, those movie stars now are taking our jobs, the middle class actor jobs. Right. And I understand like, hey, why pay Kirk his quote when we could get an ex Oscar winner or nominee right. for a little bit more? You know what I mean? And so, you know, you, you have to have people that root for you. You do. There's got to be a balance. I mean, you know, you never discover, you won't discover the the new actors, the new talents, if you don't give them opportunities, you know? So so is that why, like, you know, uh, Terry, I got to know Terry because of this whole experience, but a lot of the people that have worked with Terry always say that he promises them things and and delivers. You know, he remembers you, you. I thought you were going to say, and he doesn't deliver. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, I, I, across the board, people have spoken yeah. about how Terry's come and and st- st- stuck up for them and rehired them over and over again. I, to be Terry's honest. Terry's my second, other than Tom Fontana. Terry's right behind Tom. I've never heard um, anyone spoken uh, as well of in television as Terry Metalis is. And I'm not yeah, just saying anyway. that because I got to know him, but he, it's been interesting. Listen, how how important tell- is that for you as an actor? Like you were talking about having people in your yeah. corner. How important is that now? Because I think you made a, a really great point when you have yeah. Oscar winners coming into the TV space. If you don't have people that just know your work and will, will hire you, I yeah. mean, per- Terry even talked about how Todd Stashwick, they were writing for him in the writer's room even yeah. before he was hired, you know? And yeah. what is that? How, how much does that mean to you as an actor in this day and age and um, is it the kind of how do you get that currency with showrunners and, and directors as an actor? I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, the, 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 there's there's special people that you build bonds with. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen every day. Right. I mean, with, with Terry, you know, I've never he let me play. And, and that in itself is is a compliment to him that he's secure in his own writing to let me riff. He's like, okay, I, I love when you said that, just do me one for me and then go play. I was like, oh, fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. You don't get that. Guys, you do not get that. Can I tell you, the more talented the writer is, the more he'll let you play because the yeah. more secure. Okay, mm-hmm. Akiva Goldsman, the same thing. Let me play, let me rip, changing shit. Like, every, everyone's looking at me like, Oliver Stone, the same thing when I went in to meet him. I rewrote his scene. I rewrote his scene. And you're going, why would I re- rewrite Oliver Stone? It's not ego. It's nothing to do with it. The part that I was going in to do, it wasn't suited for this vessel, for mm. this talent. What came out of my mouth would not work with what he wrote, Right. So right. I had to rewrite it to make it come out of this mouth. Mm. And he understood. He goes, oh, I love what you did. Mm. It, there's, and so Terry is one of those guys where he goes, we're doing like three, four different shoots sometimes. You know, you have three different units going on. You're doing three different episodes at the same time. You know, B unit uh, and then two A units because it's crossing over. Yeah, block shooting. And Terry's like, yeah, block shooting. And Terry's like, yeah. Hey, Kirk, uh, just, just spice up that last scene. I go, what do you mean? Yeah, just 
do your thing and make it funny, crack some jokes. Because Terry, we have the same humor. Yeah, we're, 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 we're a little kid humor, a little dirty kid humor, right? So, and uh, he just let me rip, man. And and it's and it just I think Terry gets what I do, and and has a respect for it, and as I have a respect for what he does. You know what I mean? I it's not work when you're working with Terry. I'll put it. I'll say that it's not work. Awesome. And that's how it should be. It's like right. playing football. It should be fun, man. Right? If you're playing these sports, baseball, and, and you should be happy every day. It's the same thing with acting, right? You should go to work and it should be fun. Some right. jobs aren't fun. With Terry, it's fun. So when Terry gets the next Star Trek uh, show and continuing yeah. in our current timeline, because Kryn's there. He's alive. He, uh, yeah. he gave his key to Worf so he could go to Daystrom Station. Right, yeah. but he's there in that world. How quickly would you come back to do another series with him, even if Kryn wasn't? Oh, you know, it was just a set in, piece. Oh, in a second, it would be it would be a fun, like it would be like, you know, because I, I haven't gotten a chance to work with Fontana again, mm-hmm. and you're like, and we're always like, ah, you know, this fell through, and you know, ah, you know, and and with Terry, it's, it's you know, it's it's still possible, right? Like it's still possible. It's still possible both of those guys. But yes, I would love. I would jump out with jump to the opportunity to work with Terry again and, and make his life miserable. <laughs> we have a super chat from Ian Carroll's. Kirk, Kirk, loved you in Band yeah. Brothers and Fringe. Glad to see you as part of the Star Trek family now. And then also uh, from John Kakosa, appreciate the accessibility of Kirk and the other Picard season three crew. This should be the benchmark of how to market series and films, spending time with fans, no barriers, no access media. Well said. Yeah, we've tried really hard to get as many. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, everybody from Picard season three has been just wonderful coming here to answer questions and and uh, be open with us. Uh, and we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, what's next for you, Kirk? What are you, what are you uh, working on now? Uh, just, uh, you know, auditioning and writing with my wife. And, uh, you know, we have a, a few irons in the fire that the, uh, we're trying to uh, see what comes about, and uh, yeah, just looking for my next opportunity. You know, awesome. Well, it should come yeah. quickly because you're amazing. Does really anybody else have any other questions for Kirk? Yeah, I had a quick question. Um, so, when you were working on Twelve Monkeys, and you'd get your yeah script for the next episode, did you ever just look at that script and be like, I don't know what's happening right now? <laughs> Like, uh, no. cause the time travel stuff is, is like, so like yeah. you, you get to like episode three and season three and you're like, Oh, that paid off from season right. one. You know? Well, we would ask questions like that. We were like, so this up, epi- this happened prior that we would always ask scripty stuff like that. And that, that was, that's where scripty came in hand and we were to ask her. And also those scripts came on time. So we knew <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> I just, just say, you know, but uh, yeah, but yeah, we, those questions would arise. Uh, this is before, this is after, and this is you know, that would happen a lot when I went back in time with the the whole Japanese thing, and uh, when I went rogue, when Ramsey went rogue and went back in time to save his son. Uh, a lot of questions like that. Where where are we at in the timeline? So, right. but we got a super chat from Orville Nation. For that. Oh, I'm sorry. We got over a super chat from Marvel Nation. Love your interpretation of the dark side in your characters, Kirk. 
Love to see you on the Orville someday. <laughs> Imagine him as the Orville, like some kind of like crime boss. That'd be great too. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Kirk. So, like, yeah. I, I mean, you were only in one episode of this series, but uh, I really loved the offer, and I was wondering what you thought of The Godfather, just in general, as a as a movie. The Godfather one or two are in my top five. If I had to pick five, pick either one or two. There, they would be in my top five. So it's it's great. You know, a buddy of mine, Dexter Fletcher, was directing both episodes of Band of Brother alum, and uh, you know, he called like like Easter eggs, like what Terry did. He called in a bunch of uh, us Band of Brothers and to make little cameos, and and so that's what we uh, we did is support, support our brother. It so, was... but I love I love uh, Godfather and and that series. The whole behind-the-scenes stuff is incredible. Matthew Good deserved to win the Emmy Award for playing. Uh, it, he didn't win. I, I don't. I, he, I, I don't think he was nominated. He wasn't even. Are you I mean, serious? Uh, he. he I want somebody should make a TV show about the life of Bob Evans. You know, there Bob Evans himself did the animated show about his life and his audio book of him reading his own book. The kid stays in the picture. Then they made the picture, documentary. Yeah. Great documentary. They should just do a. a uh, uh, whether it's true or not, Bob Evans in Hollywood, played by Matthew Good, from like the end of the '60s to the end of right. the '80s, because that guy slayed. Yeah, we went so to the good. premiere. My wife was there, and I go, "He's gonna win an Emmy." That's literally what I said. He should win an Emmy because it was I, that fucking good. And he doesn't even get nominated. I don't watch award shows, so I don't I, think I, I don't he did. I, I or, unless it's terrible. next year's Emmys, but it was. I couldn't believe his performance it was one for the ages it was great he nailed him he nailed bob evans oh my god it's so good and he's great like i remember seeing him i mean he plays ozymandias in in watchman but he was in uh tom ford the fashion designer tom ford's first feature a single man and he he was incredible in that he's He's actually a very nice guy too he's he's super nice it's great when you see talented people that are freaking nice yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the, the, it's like, you know, sometimes you meet your heroes and they're a dick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um... I love you, Kirk. You're one of us. I, this, is, uh, this has been a great open conversation. You know, we... oh, I'm a sci-fi nerd. That's, listen, do you know when I go to bed to? You're going to be like, no. My, if my wife could hear me, babe, what do I go to bed to every night? Do I watch sleep at night? No. One space odyssey. Oh, oh really? That's yeah, that'll put you to sleep. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it like three three hundred times. Like great, great soundtrack. That's right. Well, let, let me ask you ahead of their time. Let me ask you this, Kirk. Like, because yeah. you're a sci-fi nerd, is there a science yeah. fiction franchise out there you'd want to be a part of, like Dune or Stargate or Star Wars or something like Dude. that? Dude, oh my okay. God, Stargate, bro! He would be perfect as a military guy in Stargate. Sorry, go Dune. I'm so mad at fucking Dune. I'm so fucking mad because I call here, my I call my manager, and I was like, I need to be in Dune. <laughs> I'm a character actor, and I'll just create whatever. Just, 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 just give it to me. I'll put myself on tape, and then decide if you're going to send it on. And I'll just cause that's that's really what I do. Harkin in right? a Fremen, you'd be perfect. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they were like, casting was like, no, he's not right. Hmm. I go, how the fuck am I not right? And this was, I, oh, I can't even say what I want to say. But I'm very disappointed because there's, like, for instance, if you're doing Excalibur, which is my favorite movie of all time, hmm. right? Excalibur, John Borman, my favorite. I thank God has tried to do a remake because it would fucking fail. There's mm. probably be two, three directors that could really do that remake, but every other King Arthur and the Holy Grail Knights, of, all that stuff has failed miserably. The Queen Arthur nowadays. Are you yeah. the mother and the father now, Merlin? <laughs> I love Excalibur. It's one of the great. Where's the 4K remaster of that on disc? Oh, That's yeah, for real. I mean, Nicole Williamson, how great was he? So fucking, good. I mean, everybody, I mean, it's all about a cast. Helen Mirren. Patrick Stewart's in it. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. He, he yeah, was in Patrick Dune, Stewart. too. He was in Dune, yeah. yeah he, he was, was in Dune. Dune, too. Liam but Neeson. that's the thing, is like, that would be like, I would love to be an Excalibur. But I'm like, if you go, well, Kirk's not right for that. I go, I could see what you mean. I could, I understand, right? But not with fucking Dune, man. <laughs> Everything is makeup and prosthetics. And you're talking about, Someone that could change his voice around? Mm -hmm. like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, that pissed me <laughs> off, as you could tell. That pissed me off because it's, it's, it's like, how do you know it's acting, man? Like, just, just right. give the person an opportunity. How long does it take to watch, like, his two-minute audition tape? Let's get him apart, see what he does. Well, there is the now. Sisterhood TV series for HBO Max. It's so they're doing a Dune oh TV series. Oh, they um, are? Yeah, it's about the Benny. It's about the origins of the Benny Gesserit sisterhood. So it's it takes place ten thousand years before the Dune movie, but it is HBO. And I hear you. There's always no, no, no. They they're in the middle of they just they actually did they had a big shakeup in the the showrunners. Yeah. So it's all it's they're 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 they've changed things. Dude, my favorite books, man. They, they're incredible. Dude, you like gotta that. get. I mean, I hear that you're you you've been you know people at HBO. Maybe come on. They're all they're all different now. That yeah, that was, was a different HBO back but then. Come on, Band so, of Brothers, Oz. You gotta yeah. you gotta be in the yeah. Sisterhood. Need you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. I mean, I even I I love the original. I mean, there's just so many flaws about the, the, the remake. It's just like the performances are fine. They were great. I mean, there's certain people I would just yeah. I, I won't mention names. Like I'm like yeah. you're ruining the whole fucking franchise. <laughs> kill him, kill him, you know, or, or kill her, her, her. You know what I mean? And I'm sure, and I know he knows you. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, they're, and they're actually really talented actors, but you're just miscast because mm. they didn't understand the fucking tone. Sci-fi has a tone, and you don't understand Man. it. It's a little bit. Yes. It's a little bit big. Do you mm. know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you could be edgy and you could be small, but it's still big. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And they weren't yeah. doing that. You weren't selling it, man. You come from these families. Like, ah, just, I could go on. I, I could literally <laughs> recast that entire fucking film. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you sound but, like but our review of it. So, yeah. Visually, yeah. <laughs> yes. Visually, yes. Oh yeah, it looked great. But scenes were fucking terrible. Yeah, <laughs> slow, terrible. boring. Yeah, they weren't we're, big. We're doing, we're doing Japanese like samurais. 
We're doing mm. samurais. We're, that, that's what we're doing. <laughs> but we're like, okay, did you just see John Wick? Mm. <laughs> hey, there you go. Look at their stunts. It's right. got to be violent. And if you're not going to do it violent, you do it like um, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. and you make it beautiful. But they didn't either. And then the yeah. suits were terrible. The original wetsuits were freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And David, you mean the David Lynch version? Yeah. David Lynch one, brilliant. And also, it explained it better what was going on because they had narration. And that was something that he, you, you know, like, like, for instance, when he puts his hand in a box, that mm. whole thing wasn't good enough. But like, with all the special effects, I want to see the hand melting. Yeah. Like, show it. Yes. Yep. So when you show the hand melting, you realize at that moment, wow, the power that he has, that it, it fizzled. It fizzled. And right. it, it, like the whole thing when she says, she goes, when she uses the wielding to come, she goes, come here. Right. Mm. And, you hear, and, and he struggles. Right. There's none of that. Mm. And she goes, wow, he's strong. And you know what I mean? And she does it again. No, whatever it was, you right. know what I mean. There's not that. There's there's, there's not. It's just little things. Mm. We need Kirk on things. here with us every week to talk about all the rain. <laughs> right. This would be fantastic. I'm Kirk, a, when, he, are you, when are you when are you he, making your directorial debut? <clears throat> Something we're working on. Are you working that, on that with your wife? No. Said it one more no. time. You're working on that with your with your wife. One of the things we're working on no, that cool. will be that that I get to. It's something I've always wanted to do. I always. I just looked her up. I love her. Like Saved by the Bell. You sound just like a director, man. You sound just like a director. Yeah, you do. Movies. So you know, you have directors that just want to direct. Hey, I hired you to act. You do what you got to do. But that's not with Steven Spielberg. He does everything. Right? He knows how to do everything. You do everybody's job on set, but he's rare. You know what I mean? And it's it's like, you know, you're you're thinking it in four different dimensions, right? You're thinking of it as a director. I'm thinking about it as the performances. I'm thinking about the audiences that are going to watch it and what's going to move them too. There's different layers upon layers. You know what I mean? It's 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 not just point and shoot. You know what I mean? And knowing the camera lens and I can have my DP do all of that. I mean, you got to know it too. What I'm saying, but but. There, there's performance is a huge, huge part of it. You know, back back in the day, like you know, a lot of guys were just, you know, you. you for instance, who's the guy who did uh, the Graduate? Who directed the Graduate? Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Uh, he's not doing like an Antoine Fuqua movie where it's like super cuts and like I'm going to get an epileptic seizure. He just leave it on the scene. Let the actors work. And then you start zooming in slowly. Right. And it's just in a two like like it says it all. Like I don't want to see the camera. And nowadays we see the camera and look, oh, it swoops down from the crane and it zooms in and it swoops back up and all. Oh, but it's wow, yeah, it's a cool camera shot. But it's mm. not telling the story. It's not, not telling the story. story for it. Look at well, I think I think that you made a, a really today. I am a film editor as well, and and part of the reason I think a lot of people shoot a lot of coverage these days is because they don't trust their actors. Yes, 
you know, they by by you can build a performance in post if you have enough coverage. And I I miss that. I think one of the if you go back and you look at movies like stuff that Paul Thomas Anderson directs, like Boogie Nights or things like that, you know, he's really allowing actors. And I think one of the reasons that people we love movies so much and why I don't think we'll ever have to worry about AI necessarily for replacing people is because we love to watch uh, actors. We love to watch people yeah. creating characters. And one of the things yeah. I loved about your portrayal of, of Crin is it, it felt like there was something going on behind your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and it was something I thought the way you play that character was not Star Trek characters can be, especially like next generation characters can be archetypes rather than characters. Yeah. And I think one of the great things about what Terry and the writing staff did for Picard season three is we've seen all of our characters that were in the original seven seasons of TNG. They were very archetypical. And I think the way they've been written in this season of Picard has been very character oriented. It's, it's much more grounded. They're dealing with mortality and they're dealing with their feelings. And and it it really feels like the show has grown up, but that also is true of the way you played Crin. Like we're seeing because Vulcans have been very one note, especially at, a lot of the actors that come in and do it for a day, they think it's more robotic. And mm-hmm. and whereas the way you played Crin, there was even though you're a crime boss, there was a very quiet malevolence yeah. in your performance that I well, thought I, was fan fucking tastic. I thought the same thing at first until I had a conversation with Terry. I was like, Terry, like if I gotta play it like like no emotion, like I mean like the performance will just it, there'll be no it's a guy he's like no 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 dude you like you have emotion mm-hmm. like you're like the anti-vulcan you know what i mean but i mean like, I still... vulcans became romulans you know they they the people that didn't want to apply logic and the teachings of surak lit off and mm-hmm. started the romulan empire both vulcans were the most passionate people of all you know and then they applied these teachings so there's and that's the thing people don't get that that Harry does, but Vulcans have emotions. They're just very controlled, yes. and that's what I liked about you. You, you, if if you were you were like you know Vito Corleone, you 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 were you were you you knew what you needed to do, and you would say well, you gotta, something. You got to like him. You know, I could be a bad guy and, and an evil guy and a serial killer and kill everybody, but what if I do this scene and you really like me mm. and I'm really nice? That makes it more realistic, and right. It kind of like, oh my god! I feel like, like this guy's. I'm liking this guy. The, the same thing with any any bad guy in any genre, right? right. Like whether you're doing, uh, you know, Seven or or you, you know, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. There's got to be moments of humanity. There's not just not bad, right? Right? Like it's just, and also it's one dimensional. Like we're we're so much more complex. Like I see you here, your personality here. That's not your personality when you're with your wife or with your friends or when you're home alone, like there's many different facets, right? It's the same thing with the performance, right? There's many different facets. Hmm. So love it. I got a super chat uh, question for you, actually, Kirk, Mr. Vicious was terror a motivation for you as joy toy, Joe toy. And did you get to meet him? Was terror a motivation? Yeah, I'm reading it verbatim. Anyone know what that? Yeah, means? I wonder. You know, I mean, there was you guys were at war, obviously. So I wonder if you yeah. know you had to show that that sort of emotion where 
you know, you're in battle, but you're also kind of afraid for your lives to some degree. Maybe that's what he means. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet Joe Choi. He passed away two years. Mm. I think I want to say uh, two years before we started filming. It was unfortunate. I met uh, Winters and Malarkey and Garnier and one other person. Uh, you know, the hardest thing about that show was you were given an opportunity to represent these men who were real people and who were truly profoundly heroes. Mm. I don't make men like that anymore. You know, mm -hmm. there's no self-analysis. Today we have self-analysis and we have Xanax and we have therapy. Back then they didn't have that, man. You, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You did it because that's what you did. You know what I mean? So right, right. the country needed at the time. You know what I mean? And, and if you had to medicate yourself, it was with the bottle. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them had uh, those issues. I'm not, not saying specifically the Band of Brothers, but just right. people in World War II in general, or in, in, in who have been seen, who have seen live combat. So that was the hardest thing was fighting for our characters because there were certain stories that were part of the series that you know got taken out, and you're fighting for your guy, you know, and it's got to be in, it's got to be in. Right. And there was a story of Joe Toy uh, and, and, and Bastone where he just disappeared. He went missing. And they're like, Joe Toy went AWOL. Joe Toy didn't go AWOL. He had three Purple Hearts by this time. He had four after Bastone when he lost his leg. So it wasn't that. He comes back a day later with a live German prisoner. Oh, my God. Like, they, I mean, it's just, you, you can't write it. And I go, how, does, how do you leave that out? Right, it's like, because it's not like you can leave it out. That's a whole episode. Mm. So that's that's an episode that they can't fit right. in. You know what I mean? And I'm like, sounds like an episode I want to see, right. and not because it's my guy. Right. It is because my guy, but that's shit you want to see. Right. Yeah. Like, wait, yeah. this guy just went a one. How did he do it? And then drug him back alive. Like, it's right. just crazy. So those guys are just, I mean. Winners came to set. And he's seeing all the guys. This is early on. It's like maybe in the first, because it was like uh, it took like uh, twenty nine days per episode. It was like a month an episode, and then like wow. another week of B unit. So it, it was it was like a, a good 35, 36 days. And uh, he came during the first episode, and Spielberg was supposed to direct the first episode, but if I'm not mistaken, he got appendicitis, and that's oh, wow. why he couldn't do it. Uh, and we were, I mean, I know for me, because I was like, I want to be, but we got Philip Alden Robinson from Field of Dreams. Yeah. Who's mm -hmm. great. Sneakers. Great. Sneakers, Sneakers yeah. yeah. Uh, River Phoenix, yeah. And uh, so he came to set, uh, Dick Winters, Richard Winters, and he's like, where's, where's, where's Toy? Who's playing Toy? He did the eulogy for for uh, you end up crying right now. It's so emotional. Mm. And there's nothing like seeing a grown man, a grown man like that, who did what he did, start crying when he sees you. I mean, wow. it's just, it's just, so that's why for me, wow. and I don't mean this in, in any, but the documentary that comes with the box set of oh, Band of Brothers, so to good. me is, 
is is oh. almost better than the entire series because you see the actual men, you hear them, you know what I mean, and it, it's 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 so profound and it's it's moving. Yeah, uh, Kirk, I, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, you got yeah. such a huge like body of work under your belt. Is there one particular like day on set or, or a job or a gig that just stands out in your mind as being like one of your best days on set? Two. So it would be the, the thin red line when John tall looks over and he goes wander and just pats me on the back. Mm. It's just fucking like attaboy kid. And I mean, I mean, that was like, you know, my first, big film you know and it's it's everybody that was moving and the second i got to work with one of my heroes and gary oldman and sitting on set for fucking hours every day and we spoke about film and we spoke about his performances and he kept on saying to me he was like you sound like you sound exactly like um what's his name from uh apocalypse now Marlon I love the smell. I love the oh, smell oh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Yeah. He was like, just Colonel he wanted me to do that Kilgore. over and over, over and over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then and De Niro impersonations. You know, you guys have the same. Like you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm like, nah, dude. <laughs> like you're, it, it's <laughs> you're Gary Oldman. He's a wonderful man, man. Like wonderful. To meet somebody at that level, you know, I've worked with like some big people, Sean Penn, like huge people, like, you know, and people like him and, and Colin Farrell, who's another one of my favorites. They're just a regular guy. They're like us, man. Yeah. They're literally just like us. They love just talking about films and what moved him is like raging Raging Bull, and he just would do Raging Bull lines to me all throughout the day, <laughs> passing by Crafty, eating his thing. He's like, I got little hands. Like, you're just, just, just like, and it's just, I'm looking at it, and it's just like, I'm looking at this man's mouth move, and I'm like, it's fucking Sid Vicious. Right. That's like, and I'm just like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, Did you make him do lines from The Professional? Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> no, I I could do him so, but I didn't do it because I didn't know how. Because with actors, it's just such a fine line. You don't know how they're they're going to take it. But uh, uh, he's he's great. So Have you ever moment, seen Romeo is bleeding? That he's brilliant. Uh, I love it. That one love of my it. it's one of my favorite movies that not enough people have seen. What's her name? Who is in is brilliant. Lena Olin. Lena Come Olin is on. fucking. The shit in that. That's so good. I just saw that recently, like during the pandemic. I watched that again. Dig, dig the hole. Got to fill the hole. We got a couple hey, comments hey. for you, Kirk. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. Uh. First, first one here is from Geek Boats Collect. They wow. say, uh, "Loved you on Oz, Kirk. Sad that Law and Order uh, trial by jury didn't last longer." Mm. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm surprised just... that there wasn't a Law and Order show that that didn't go 30 seasons. Well, you know, the funny thing is that was the first Law and Order show, Law and Order show that got canceled, and I happened to be part of it, which is, I, I, I'm just like, why is this happening to me? And the funny thing is, that that was on a Fridays, and you know what we averaged on a Friday? We averaged 16 million, and they dropped us. What? Wow. What? 
What? Friday's the death slot. That's an amazing number. Because there's uh, different things. At the time, Dick Wolf was renegotiating three of his shows oh. at the time. The Mothership, meaning Law and Order, Criminal Minds, and he had another one. Uh, uh, the, 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 there's the Mariska one, there's the Mothership, the Mariska one, and then also the Vincent D'Onofrio one. So you had those three. Trauma Jury was four, and I just think NBC didn't want to negotiate four shows. And right. we were, you know, a casualty. And it just sucks, man, because, I mean... That kind of sucks, but you know, Kirk, yeah. uh, uh, these guys, these guys up here, they run a uh, DC Universe YouTube channel. So they got to ask you, like, what was it like working on the final seasons of Arrow? <laughs> oh, it's great! It was, you know, it's another another part that they they let me do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, and it just was so much fun. I wish, personally, I wish there were so many takes that we couldn't even use because I I would just you just couldn't use it. it, even though I didn't curse in it. Mm. It looks so visceral, so viscerally, like, uh, like foul. Like mm. it just looks like I'm cursing and I'm not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because that's just like like doing like the professional shit as my guy. Mm. Literally doing Buck Wild. I remember like we kidnapped the girl. Uh, I forgot the characters' names. The, the bird girl who I was working with. Black Canary? Black Canary. Mm -hmm. Black Canary, yeah. Bird girl. I'm like, whatever. Bird the blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I have her, like, chained up and stuff like that. And I'm saying something. They were like, the director was just like, I fucking love this. We don't, we can't use any of this. Because I'm literally like, oh, yeah. I'm just, I can't even say what I'm saying. Like, like, I was just like, I was like, like, I just, just derogatory shit to <laughs> to a woman but as the character as the character right. and it, canceled it, it just it just was so x-rated like without being saying showing or saying anything that was vulgar right it, it just was the performance so i i wish it was cable cuz you know no, I, I, I meant yeah, I'm meant to be on cable. Let's just put no, correct. Yeah, yeah. Record. Your your acting is is and your name is appropriate is vicious because um, yeah. while I love DC, my favorite comic book role for you was in Marvel, uh, in Agents of Shield. Yeah. When you were when you when you were like viciously going after the main character, and yeah. attempting to, it, it was like your character. You weren't playing a robot. You were a regular agent, but you yeah. looked. Like the Terminator 2000, uh, just <laughs> dominating down the the. It was a you were a scary looking agent. You're supposed to be the good guy, but you were coming after. <laughs> Did anyone tell you that you were the good guy in that scene? Because you were gnarly in that. Episode. No, I didn't. They didn't really. I didn't really know what was going on. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. Because sometimes, yeah, sometimes we didn't either. Yeah, not, I was going to say the writing you, staff didn't either. Sometimes you go on a show and they let you know what's going on, and sometimes you go on a show and you have no clue what's going on. I'm well, like, it worked out. Have, yeah, I'm like, I have no idea, like, like who or any of these people and what what I'm supposed to be doing, and so, but you know, my guys doing the new dc universe mm -hmm. that's i think my man needs to hire me to put me in the yes DC i agree universe, with that man. Like, yes. because if 
he wants to compete with Marvel. Let's let's make it. Who do you want to play it in in the DC universe? You know, I, I don't care. I just want to have fun. <laughs> I, you know, it's like w- one of my assets is is just my physicality that never gets to be used. Right. I just never. It's just the craziest thing. Like, I mean, I'm in super shape, and I never get to show it. Mm. I'm always in a suit, or I look, you know, like some degenerate crackhead, or <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, like, I mean, like to quote you'd be, my wife, you'd be perfect for the authority, though. Like playing that fine a, line. Oh, you could guy, play. You could play Midnighter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You could be that, Midnighter. That that fine line between like it's like anti-hero, you know, Ant- that, that character. Anti- that's where it's at. That's exactly right. Anti-hero is is, is perfect. I got a super chat for you, Kirk. Uh, it says, uh, "Oh snap! It's Kirk, the Dragon." <laughs> Love you, man. Your performance and career has been tops. Oh, very cool. And another yeah, one from yeah, Ghost Rider. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a great time on Arrow. Just another. They let me do my thing. It, it, it was very cool. Yeah. No, I, I and the last season of Arrow was, you can tell all the characters uh, were like at their most, at their highest comfort level in that, in that, during that last season. Sorry about that. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, from Ghost Rider to all those who worked on McCarthy season three, may your work bring honor and glory to your house, to our newest Vulcan, live long and prosper. Ooh, nice. Uh, and Kapla. <laughs> and Kapla. <laughs> Um, uh, we got to hear that. You hear that, Terry? <laughs> Crit. Beginning. Crit. The beginning. Listen, uh, change.org slash uh, Star Trek Legacy. Uh, go sign it. And, you know, we can, we might be able to get more Crin if Terry comes back. Well, it's terrytrek.com, actually. So, yeah. So, terrytrek.com, you go sign the petition. Because, actually, I don't know if you know this, Kirk, but we are, like, hugely yeah. pushing to get Terry a new uh star trek series because he oh, freaking he, deserves he, he it needs, so. he needs to and listen you guys so you guys are, are are the professionals when it comes to the the star trek history and am, am i not wrong in saying if you do something where you show a different part of the star trek universe where it's the underworld mm-hmm. you're telling me you're not going to get brand new brand new eyeballs new fans and new followers it opens up pandora's box in a good way right like it's untapped it's untapped right well what's interesting well you know we we've seen we've seen a criminal element there's always been some kind of a criminal element i mean all the way back to the very first season of the original series in 66 when you had people like harry mudd roger carmel's version of harry mudd whether it was human trafficking or selling yeah. drugs or there's always been something. And I, and the, the idea that utopia needs a criminal uh, and the, the, I think the idea of a Vulcan crime boss is something that's new. You know, that idea is very new. I mean, I've know that there's been, yeah. in, I've read a lot of, I've, I'm embarrassed to admit how many Star Trek novels I've read, but the way you, <laughs> the way you, you played Kryn, um was, I mean, it was, a, I thought a star making, Perform not that you're not already oh, a star, but gone. I mean, very in term in terms of the Star Trek universe, yeah. that character is somebody that 
you know, they're, they're, you know, they're going to do an IDW comic book about him, and they're right. he's going to show more. up and start. You want to see more? Like you yes. got a taste, right? Yeah. And you're like, I, I want the full meal now. And like, I yeah, want it's like Tuvix. You got one episode with Tuvix, but there's how much <laughs> things? How many things traded about that character? But I, but right. I do think the idea of of what does it mean to the idea of applying logic, because in a way, you know, in a way, Michael Corleone in Godfather Two. His big mistake is that he didn't have his father's heart. He right. didn't have Vito's heart, and he tried to apply. He applied logic. He was ruthless, but he and and that's why he he when he killed his own brother, he was damned forever. There was damned no forever, yeah. there was there was no resolution. And if you yeah. if you had a character like Crin, in a way, the way you played him, I I thought of Michael Corleone in Godfather too, because mm-hmm. you know you were a man that you would never have killed. Um, sneed but somebody else did and and like you were there to to deal with it and it would be really interesting to see what a vulcan crime boss would do in the 25th century and how how would that go and there's never been a star trek show like that you know they're always trying like they keep trying to let's make a starfleet academy show nobody cares nobody Nobody wants to see and they're gonna do one whatever nobody cares a million times yeah you want new fans. You already have the fans you have. You need and, to keep on adding to the pot now, right? Like, you yeah. have to let it grow. It's I mean, it's the growing. anti-utopia. You know, and the idea that Star Trek has this very optimistic uh, point of view. And, and Gene Roddenberry believed that we would... But when you're out, out in space, Earth and the Federation is a utopian society. Yeah. But we're pushing out into the world, into the universe, and, and why wouldn't a Vulcan... Who didn't get to grow up on Vulcan, who had yeah. who grew up in Metallus Prime or whatever? Why yeah. the idea of what you did is so compelling? It yeah. it would just need great writers. I mean, can you imagine a yeah. show at the level of the the writing level of the Wire with a Vulcan crime boss with Crin at the center of it? And That's yeah, a Terry, fucking show, man. Terry, Terry's the guy to do it. I know. So he's, and he's you the would guy think that. I mean, yeah, that's that's a golden idea. You know they're talking about you know, let's idea. do all yeah. these other things. Let's continue, but no one's ever come up with. I mean, obviously, we saw Deep Space Nine, where where which was pretty cool on a station. It worked really well, but a crime show. Yeah, imagine you got the Orion Syndicate. You've got yeah. You know, now you've got oh, Krim, yeah. You've got. I mean, it'd be fantastic. All the Ferengi. Yeah. Well, you know, you do it like King. You're, it's Lots King of, of New York. You're Christopher Walken in King of New York. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, yeah. there you go. Except it's a whole se- series. You don't get. You know, knocked and, off, and 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 they're aliens with prosthetics. I mean, it's, yeah. but it's but that's what it is. The performance that's that's what it is. It's King of New York. Perfect, Perfect yeah. time for James Hancock here. He says we need a Star Trek Sopranos hybrid episode about mm. a start about a Vulcan crime family. Keep up the amazing work. Yeah, I agree thank with you, that. James. Kirk, Kirk, I got a serious question for you. Yeah, uh, from back back in the fringe days, are you able to call up Kurtzman and Goldsman and and be like, hey, can you get my boy Terry a permanent gig? Doing this uh, Star Trek stuff, <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know them like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know them. Like I, I met them, but I don't. You know, yeah, and when uh, actors make those calls, it can go badly. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh yeah, Orbital Nation says give Terry hashtag give Terry Trek. Yeah, I mean this is the thing is like I, I, you know you have certain relationships with people like I, I could call up Tom anytime I want. You know what I mean and. 
and Terry and and, and a few can other give people. Give Spielberg a call and just be like, "Can you make nah, Kurtzman?" I, <laughs> <my boy? laughs> I don't think I, anyone I can call give up Spielberg a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, Maybe George George for me. We got a <laughs> super chat from Jermaine. George King. Lucas could, yes. Yes. Or, yes, George Lucas can. Uh, Robert Meyer Burnett. Kirk, uh, Kirk just said that he loved Excalibur. He just got more impressive. P.S. The land and the king are one. Yes. What is the secret of the Grail? Who okay, does do it you know, serve? Do you know the uh, the uh, the the armor? The uh, no. armor? Oh yeah, the yeah yeah. Okay, so I almost bought that years ago. <laughs> the gold armor. So that it's, it's cool. Mordred's, 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 Mordred's armor. armor. Right, and so it was. The, the plate was redone because it was the end of the movie when he got uh, speared through the chest. So they redid it. And then the helmet is the actual helmet. And I was like, oh, I, I came so close. That's how much I love that film. Okay, I can't. So close. I can't say who this is live. I can tell you off camera. But a, a friend of mine, a, a pretty famous or infamous, you could say, director, but a friend of mine, one of my very best friends in the world in the business, bought the hero Excalibur sword from John Borman himself. And he's got chills. And and because you can't get them. Not only get them. No. And not only that, John Borman wrote him a letter of authenticity. And he has it. (laughs) He has it. In he has one of the most insane collections of props. And he goes and he's very specific about what he likes. And he has it. That's pretty That's awesome. brilliant. Uh, and 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 there's a very nice letter from John Borman himself. I gotta wait till he dies to buy it off him. I assume he's older than me. He's, older um, than me. he's close I'll to he's close to my age, um, but I don't. I don't yeah, he's know older. If, uh, yeah, I don't know if he'll. Uh, yeah, older. Yeah, sell it. Too, so but but yeah, but but I can tell you, you you live on the East Coast, right? Or do you live in L.A.? Uh, L.A. Yeah. Oh, you're in L.A. Well, we should just go to his house. <laughs> and get a picture of you cool. I think I don't know if he got it he might have Mordred's helmet the, as well but oh, there's a few there's a few different helmets like there's a few yeah they're, they're more than one but this is the thing then there's going to be a ring camera of me running away with the sword. <laughs> I'm going to steal the. I'm going to steal the fucking sword. I mean, this I, just I, in. Uh... Yeah. No, no, it's a real Vulcan crime family now. Right? I mean, and, and the other stuff he He's has. He's a method actor. The <laughs> other stuff he has is equally you went full impressed. Method, is it? Yeah, because because I'll tell you something because you brought it up. Um, this person was going to direct a remake of Excalibur. And there is a script. Wow. How how long ago was this? Uh, eight years ago. About eight years ago. Okay. So who was it? They're supposed to direct it. Are they British? No. But they live in L.A. <laughs> I can't say anything. Excalibur is just so... Yeah. Like, I can't... Like, I, 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 there's very few people that could direct that. And, and I'm sorry, but everyone's got to be, like, they got to be European. No Americans. Don't put any fucking. Well, I, yeah, in yeah, but but we should yeah. go. I, I'll get Terry, and we'll because there's things that this person has that Terry would love to see too. What did you think of Legend of the Sword, uh, Kurt? The the guy Richie, King Arthur. It's not King Arthur. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what that was. I, I, I didn't. 
<laughs> I enjoyed it. No, 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 but I, I enjoyed it as a, I'm not, when I say things like that, I'm not shitting on it. I, enjoy, I love film. I could right. go to a film and watch anything. It's very hard. I could watch bad films and enjoy it for being bad because it still entertained me because I could make fun of it. But I was entertained. I, I could see what they were doing. It was great. I love the lead guy, the Scottish guy who played the evil king. I, I like him. I think he's a talented guy, you know, the, the, the Shining remake. He's fucking great. It, it just isn't my King, king Arthur, the right. traditional I, yeah, they're right. I mean, I was going to say there's the sequel one. trilogy compared to the original trilogy. The the mythological one is what mm. I want to see. That's what I mean. Well, also, historically, it, you know, it was so stylized what Borman was doing. I mean, it, it it from the armor. You know, that wasn't any real armor. That was completely stylized armor. It looked incredible the way it was shot. All of that using Wagner. You know, the Ring of the Nibelung cycle. Robert, and, do, you, do you think it was weird that he had his daughter get naked in front of camera? Uh, Ukraine. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, at least he knew what she was doing that day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. So I I produce special features for uh, the Usual Suspects DVD. And one of the first people I interviewed um, was Uther Pendragon himself, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the great Gabriel Byrne, Gabriel Byrne yeah. the star of The Usual Suspects. And whenever I interviewed uh, celebrities, actors that I don't know, I always want to open up with something that it has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about, just so they know that I've done my research. Yeah. And, and I said to him, I said, before we start, I got to say, dude, what was it like? And I said to sleep with John Borman's daughter in a I'm full a suit of, right now. Listen, in a full suit of armor, <laughs> and he just laughed. And first of all, nicest guy in the world. He goes, "No one even remembers." In his Irish brogue, no one even remembers I was in that movie. Mm. Of course and they I, do. I, I was. I, well, I, yes, he. But that's. I. I yes, yeah, yeah. you know. And I was like, "Anal nathrak uthras You know, and I'm like, and it was. It was you know, I was going to ask you if you could do the charming <laughs> making. That's my test. Yeah, true fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was very funny when when I I'm not married anymore. Perhaps this is why not. Um, <laughs> but uh, at my when I was being married, I had all my friends dress up, and we had a this cosplay wedding in Vegas. We the last minute. And I said that as my wedding vow. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Did did fog and smoke what start that sa- what that's well, we got married by a guy dressed as Spock in the Viva Las Vegas chapel. This and it was, wow, it's crazy. It, 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 it was so it was hilarious. The whole thing was hilarious, and it was funny because when my wife she was a, she was game for this. Um, it was on New Year's Eve for the true millennium when it went to two thousand one, not two thousand. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just as a joke, we said, uh, we decided to get married. And then that morning I'm like, I just sent an email to everyone. We're getting married and we're having a costume wedding where everybody has to come dress as their favorite character from sci-fi fantasy or horror. And we're going to get married in the Vegas chapel. (laughs) I didn't really think about it. (laughs) We just did it. And it was funny. Do you know the original sets of Excalibur were not for Excalibur? They oh, were for Lord of the Rings because that's what he was planning on working. Did you not know that? Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't know. Wow. Yes. There's a, there's a documentary. It came out a year and a half ago. Yes. About, the fan made doc- it. It, it. They talk about this. I, I knew about this uh, because there was a, um, an article about John Borman's life. 
And that was one of the things he was working on for years was Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, and, and he wanted to do two instead of a trilogy. He was going to do two, uh, like, a, uh, and, uh, all the sets was ready to film and just the money fell out studio backed out and then he decided to do Excalibur. And so he reused those sets. Wow. So those are Lord of the Ring sets, but hmm. I can't imagine his Lord of the Rings. It is the wrong time. The mm -hmm. CGI wasn't up to date. It would have been terrible. Yeah. yeah Excalibur no. was great. That's, that was what we needed. So. Yeah. Yeah. We got another super chat. Um, can you ask Kirk what he thinks about the growing fandom of Fringe? Is it coming back? It's yeah, wild. It's, it's getting a lot of views. That's really? awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's great. I mean, great. I mean, I, I you know, I, I wish I was part of it more and, and longer, but uh, uh, I'm happy. I'm glad people are enjoying it. Uh, Anna Torf is great. She's, uh, she's a sweetheart now. She, she really is. I mean, she had a, you know, it was, she was a tough first year for her, you know, cause that was her first big gig. Yeah. And so, you know, having to learn like 11 pages a day and she's like in every scene, there was no moment for her to, I mean, for a stone cold professional, like who's been doing it all his life would have had a hard time. I mean, do you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. you know, a relative novice, meaning, you know, her first, not her skill set, but her, her, her working in the medium, like it was hard, man. I, I, I sympathize with it. Did you no, see yeah. her in The Last of Us? Oh, she was great in The Last of Us. No, I didn't. And she I was awesome in Mindhunters, too. Oh, so I heard good. she was good. My wife saw that. She, she loved that. Yeah, that scene where, that spoiler there, the scene where she dies in The Last of Us is 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 awe-inspiring it's terrifying yeah it's unbelievable. It's terrifying that's the big that's the best scene probably in the show yeah oh my god that is if you guys want to watch fringe it's on hulu i think streaming right now it's like one of the top streaming shows on hulu really yeah wow. brian harford said just so got here joey joe toy love band of brothers um, <laughs> you know shane you said that and kurt i could see kurt being like where, where are my royalties it's like <laughs> Shouldn't I be getting oh, a check? Even, they, 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 now they just deposit them into your bank. Now they don't send you checks anymore. You have the option. You could just, nice. you know, because there's nothing worse when you get like, I get like a hundred Oz checks and they're like $25. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> 16 cents, one penny. And it's like, you have to sign everyone. Oh my it's like God. The ladies looking at you like, seriously? Because <laughs> they, they come, get, they come quarterly. Uh, you get you get royalties for like Fringe and these like syndicated shows still, like years yeah, later. Residuals, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. how yeah, it's, it's it's how actors live when they're not working. You know, it's what they. Yeah. Uh, it, it also pays into their uh, their health insurance. Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. awesome. So you could use that as your, you know, you know, you made money, and that's. You know, so yeah, producers producers the same thing. The producers get royalty, directors get royalty. Same thing, same they, same uh, residuals, same thing. as it so, should be. Yeah, so during COVID, great. that must have been that helped you a lot. I bet. Oh during yeah, COVID. oh helped all, all actors. Yeah. yeah, totally. And some and of the greats all, were on Fringe, and um, it's funny. Like it, I, I just looked it up. Yeah, there are people like calling to have Fringe come back, 
And you, when you look at all the people that were that played at parts on Fringe over the years, like there are literally like sci-fi legends, you know, Leonard Nimoy, yeah. John Noble, oh, yeah, like he's huge. Great. And even like smaller voice. bit great roles. Voice. Yeah. Um, like that would be a hell of a series. Now they finished the series, but I guess you could technically bring it back in some form. You know? But you know, like you said, Kirk, that that the beginning, the scripts weren't. Uh, Fringe was a show that it evolved each each season. Like they they yeah, figured out where it was going, as opposed to, I would much rather see another show that like Terry and Christopher Monfet could come up with, like Twelve Monkeys, that's so well thought out. You know that that the actors know that going in. And I, I would think I, it's hard because with television, you still have to make pilots, and they still whether you get a series order or a a season order, you know, full season order, or you, yeah. you you make a pilot. It's the thing. The problem with like you'll make a show like Lost. The pilot for Lost is one of the great pilots ever done for TV. Buddy, that but, first season is arguably arguably top ten best best first season ever in TV. Oh yeah, you know, and you it's you look phenomenal. at it, but but then they didn't know like. I, I I have what I call impossible premise shows where they, yeah. they come up with this great idea. And my, my favorite one now, because it's glorious gobbledygook, is is Manifest. Like mm-hmm. Manifest, when I watch the pilot for Manifest, I'm like, they have no idea yeah. where this is going to go. Yeah. They yeah. have no idea where it's going to go. And I think that they don't, there's no way, you not only do they have no way, their their pilot was so intriguing and they out clevered themselves. Yes, because right, there's yeah. no way they could take this show. And hey, I, I I was I was a big supporter of this. I'm like I just yeah. watched it with my mouth agape just to see how much more ridiculous it would go. And yep. the cast the cast of that show was awesome because right. they were given the mo- it was so ridiculous that I I I I always wanted like I wanted to. I didn't know anybody on that show, but I'd love to buy them all a drink and take them out and just ask them questions yeah, <laughs> about bro, the my... plot points. And then when Netflix picked it up, I was one of the people like, hashtag save manifest just to see right. where are they going to go with yeah. this. My my wife was trying to get me to watch it. She goes, oh, you're going to love this. I'm like, no, listen, I, I, I know the way this ends. I, I've, I've lived through Lost. And I'm not gonna feel I'm not gonna feel good at the end of it. So let's. I don't want to. I don't even want to start it. I'm sorry. But manifest. Uh, I mean, in terms of the post loss shows, it might be the most ridiculous and my favorite. <laughs> and I, uh, God bless them all. And all thank right. God they came back for Netflix. Maybe so watching hard. it from that perspective, like I know it's ridiculous. Let's I'll tell fun. you. I'll tell you a little a little lost uh, joke, a little story. So I I get this these signs. Uh, you have you have an audition. I was like, where's the script? And I, well, what's it about? And they, I don't even remember the part. I have no idea. And she goes, it's about these people. They crash land on a deserted island. I'm like, Gilligan's fucking island. <laughs> I didn't audition for it. Because I was like, Gilligan's island. But at the time, at the time, you know, uh, JJ wasn't JJ. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He did regarding Henry. I think this was his first TV show, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was Ali- Alias was his first. Ali- and he also well, yeah, did uh, oh, Felicity, yeah, Felicity as well. Felicity, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, but so I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Especially when there's no script and the only, you just have like two pages of a scene. Like, what do you, I don't know how to even perform that. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but that happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. For massive projects. You know, something that Steven Spielberg does, which is brilliant for his films. So when he doesn't want to release the 
the script, he'll give you a scene. Uh, like I, I remember auditioning for um, what's the one with Tom Cruise, uh, Minority, Minority Report. Report. Mm-hmm. And they gave me the sides to uh, American Beauty to read. And that's what he does. And he gives you these powerful scenes that are similar to the character that you might play. Uh, and it's, so it's more, you know, fleshed out. Well, you were also, I, I mean, you also were part of, I think, one of the great unsung modern sci-fi trilogies is the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, yeah. That was a great, that was a great uh, one. A Rise one. of Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War of the Planet of the Apes. I mean, yeah. in terms of rebooting. And the funny thing about that franchise is it still works with the original five classic ape films. You can still watch it, and it works. Yeah. And uh, you were great. And and the um, those all three of those movies, you they're so well done. And Matt Reeves, you know, you, you oh, work great. with Matt Reeves. and, and yeah, um, he's great. What a fantastic time. Could you talk a little bit about that? Was it, I mean, what was yeah. it like being on set with apes that weren't apes? You know, before it was yeah. like, you know, John Chambers is putting everybody in makeup. So the actors, yeah. but you were not acting with simians uh, they at were all. Blue suits, blue suits and dots. And, <laughs> and uh, was that tough uh, as an actor? No, 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 no. It, it, it's, it was tougher for those guys, uh, for um, uh, Andy Circus, because when they had to film all his stuff, the CGI stuff, he does it without any of his actors. Mm. Wow, yeah. We're gone. We're wrapped. Wow. He's so technically, he's just there for us. As wow. That's because wild. they're not filming them. They're not filming them. They're doing it all in a warehouse that all those scenes will be reshot and he'll have to do the performances. And Andy Circus, I felt so bad because he give you 100, man. And I love this because I love guys who do their off camera and they give you one fucking 100 because that's how I am. I give okay. you one fucking 100. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The camera's not even on me. I'm doing this for you. And I'm giving you 100. And that was Andy Circus, man. Gave you 100. So I felt bad. Like, they wrapped all the actors and they all left. And he was so mad because he's like, but, 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 but they're not there. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. So, so I stood there for him and I, I gave everybody's off lines to him. I read everybody's lines part, but it was just my way of giving him a little respect. Wow. That's, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a good man. Have you seen, he's in the new Luther movie. The Idris Elba, they made a Luther, the, the TV series movie? Luther. Oh, they yeah, made a movie, that. and he plays the serial killer. And oh. he's fucking great in it. He's great. That. That he's really fun. good. I saw the show. I can't wait to watch the movie now. Yeah, the, the movie's pretty good. I mean, it, it's a little, it gets a little big. I mean, in terms of the plot, like, wait a minute. It's, it's long. It's long, man. Well, no, I mean, I think the, the, mo- no, it, it, the movie works at a nice clip. It's just the plot... I have questions about certain things that happened, but I didn't. It, oh, I had so, so much. They really condensed it down. Yeah, it's not like the series; it's just one movie. But okay, Circus is great. Yeah, you know, he's, he's maybe he's, not not seven great, but he's pretty great. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty great. He's I mean, great. Listen, he's you know very like he's he's like us. Do you know what I mean? Like 
he's a grab a beer with him you wouldn't even know mm -hmm. he's been in these films like he's a good he's a good he's a good dude uh kurt uh did you ever have a chance to talk to john noble about his role in uh, lord of the rings uh since you're such a big excalibur fan? i did but i did I, I did because he was so freaking brilliant in that i remember telling him that but i, I don't remember the, the conversation but he, he's like really good in that i just saw i that's another film i could fall asleep to the lord of the rings the first one or the first hobbit like mm. i switch on what i could fall asleep to because they're long the extended versions three and a half oh, hours God. four hours and i just fall into that deep sleep and a little fantasy magical land so uh that's right fall I, asleep to middle earth it's my favorite book is lord of the rings so mm. uh i had the audition for that too but i don't know what part i was auditioning for that I ended up couldn't I couldn't do it because I was working, but uh, what would you have wanted to do? What part? To be honest, I was so young back then. You're talking about I was twenty four or whatever when the first one came out. I don't even know what I would be right for. Mm. To be honest with you, like even now, like you know, I'm older, but I don't look my age. Right. You know what I mean? Which is one of the things that's probably uh been a hindrance in my career is i don't look my age you, mm. you know what i mean so they know i'm older but i can't they don't hire you for younger but i can't play my age either at oh, all, yeah. so. dude you could have played gimli yeah 100 percent. you could totally and my uh, axe my yeah axe. but he, but he, you're talking about one of the greatest voices and I mean, I his know. voices he's he's brilliant him i met him in an audition He's John Reese Davies. So John Reese Davies goes, and he literally sounds like that. Like you know, like all our voices change. Like you, you know what I mean. When I perform, I could manipulate my voice. You know, blah blah. And he's just like, "I love your voice." I was like, "I love yours too, sir." I guess you know. I mean, how crazy? How crazy is he played Gimli and voiced Treebeard? Mm, and and in Indiana Jones, Treebeard. right? Yeah. Indiana Jones, and I'm so glad dudes like that fucking work, man. Because this is what people don't realize, and it's part of the business is, you know, pre uh, post COVID, it, it, it's all fluctuating. Is that those middle class actors? When you see them in the movie, you go, "Oh my god!" And then that guy's in it too. You know, mm -hmm. all those actors, and you go, "Oh my god!" Because you know they're good. And they only elevate your project that you're yep. in. Do you, do you know what I mean? You right. need those guys, man. You know, I worked on the the documentaries for the Lord of the Rings movies. The on the DVD, there's like ten hours of, and yeah. I interviewed John Rhys Davies for Fellowship, and I got yeah. to sit down with him when we were at Disney Imagineering, and he was very nicest, most humble guy in the world. Nice and he guy. was yeah. he was saying he was saying you know nobody nobody knows. People just don't know me. They don't know me as an actor. And I said, I don't think I that's do. true. And, and, true. I, and I go, I go, I go, anybody, you know, anybody just throw me out a line uh, of something Mr. John Reese davies said in the film. And somebody behind me, I don't even know who it was, goes, oh, my friends, I am so pleased you're not dead. Which is from <laughs> Raiders of Lost Ark. And, yeah. and, then, and, then, uh, and then he looks at me and he goes, he asks me, he goes, well, okay, name something that, say something that I've, I've said. And I said to him, I go, what do you want me to say? 
Inglés, which is from <laughs> Shogun, because right. he was in yeah. Shogun, and and he literally I, one of my favorite miniseries is, of, of all time. time. Yeah. Shogun is my first favorite. Shogun and uh, oh, oh yeah, Anjin Sun. Uh, I, I, it's the greatest thing ever. Not, not the segue, he, but who, who's the lead guy in that? Richard Chamberlain. I just went months ago. Went on a Richard Chamberlain spree watching the Thornbirds, dude. Face like all that stuff. I was watching all his shit, and I'm like this. So going back to when I said it's dated, his stuff is dated too, but I still enjoy it. Oh yeah, still be dated and good. You know, Gremlins is dated. It's still good. Yeah, yeah. Show and and well, what was funny was, you know, he got all he got all uh, misty eyed, and and I said, you know. You were General Pushkin in the Living Daylights, and I'm mm. like, you, you were in Sliders. I mean, you've been yeah. in a million. You were in. Oh, you were sliders. in. I, I Claudius. You know, you were in I Claudius in the, for the BBC, which Patrick's. Ago. It's thing, yeah. I Claudius is what is the for me. It's the Godfather of television. You know, Sean Phillips, John Hurt. The uh, it's it the brilliant. greatest. The the the, the uh, Brian Blessed, Sean Phillips is Livia. You know that's why in the Sopranos, Tony Soprano's mother is named Livia. It's named after Sean Phillips in I Claudius. That's what they. That's why he's she's named that. And I mean, you, you you've got the, the entirety of British. I mean, it's incredible. And and uh, but but. John Reese Davies, he just he didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't like John Hurt's performance though. Yeah, he was a little as Caligula. Mm. Right, and every fucking thing he does. But I was like, wow, he didn't know where he could go. I know I know there's a lot of actors are going to me, shut the fuck, that's blasphemy. <laughs> no, he didn't. He could have gone there and he didn't. Yeah. It's still great though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that motherfucker, so but yeah, John, and John Reese David, it was funny because he really didn't, he didn't, he wasn't aware that like you, I think you put it best, like when these people, they don't realize how they class up the joint for an audience because they don't know how we love these actors over, you know, yeah. and I, that's why I've, I've never been a big fan of like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade because they made Sala kind of look like a buffoon where in Raiders, he's such a badass. He's like, you know, there is one amongst them. He's very smart. They call him Balosh, you know. It's, he's so good. Oh, and with, yeah, yeah. Well said. Well, you got more, any more questions, Brian, from the folks? No, sir. That's All right. It. Kirk, uh, we really appreciate your time today. It's been, uh, you've been so gracious. You've given us more than two hours, and this has been like sitting around, hanging out with your friends, just having a conversation. So we appreciate you so much. Oh, we lost I love, his audio. I love talking films and TV. I mean, I'm, I'm 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 a fan. So, do you know what I mean? So, I enjoy it. like just the same way you guys enjoy it. You go in your own little world when you're watching it, and you want to be left. I'm the same way. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm the same way. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming today, and uh, thank everybody out there for watching and spending time and getting your questions in. Let's make sure we bring you back again uh, soon, Kirk. We we're interested, and we're going to follow what you're doing, and and we just appreciate you so much. I want to see you direct, man. Got to make that yeah. happen. Terry yeah. Metalis, tell him we need Crin in the underworld. <laughs> yes. yes. Unleash, unleash me, Terry. Unleash the yes, crin. I want to direct. I want to direct very, very much. So you should direct. It will come about very soon. 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't read uh, one of the super chats because we had already answered the question. But they, uh, there was multiple people asking about you directing. So I think that's mm. the right play. Yeah. Okay. I never did was doing a new show or doing the series. I never put in my contract, which most actors do. Hey, do I get to direct second season? I just never. We lost it for a second. Learning on the job, so you know. What I, mean? I see. Well, we can't wait to see what you do because your passion obviously comes through, and if that comes through directing something, my God, that would just be fantastic. So, yeah, can't wait to see it. Anyway, meeting you, you here is making me want to go watch uh, Fringe. So, <laughs> everybody should watch Oz again and remember Oz. how great yeah. it yeah. was too. The problem is, I can't watch Oz with my kids in the house. I'm not even seeing in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They well, watch Band, Band of the Brothers. Band of Brothers is one of the greatest things be, ever made for TV. They can't be in the general vicinity of my home. <laughs> All right. They'll never go to jail. <laughs> that's true. That's Don't you know go to what? Jail, kids. That's the play. Okay, boys and girls, that's it for us. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, the panel. You guys are awesome. We'll be back on Thursday. Shane? Yes, make sure you guys go check out all these wonderful channels. You've got Robert Meyer Burnett over at the Burnett Work. You've got the Salty Nerd Podcast. And go and check out all the latest stuff. Go back and look at all the great stuff that Kirk's done. His career is amazing if you haven't seen what he's done. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on Thursday. And, of course, next Monday we'll be back with another special guest, and we'll come out with that later in the week. So thank you so much. Adios. Patience brings great rewards.